Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Are we glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, we are. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. God pronounces blessing where there is unity, where we are unified. And the scripture likens it to, to, to anointing, that it is like the anointing oil poured over Aaron that drips down his beard and all the way down his clothes. It is like being soaked in anointing when we are together and when we are unified. You know what God promises? He says, where, where, there, is this ble- where there is this unity, where, where, where brothers and sisters are joined together in unity, God pronounces a blessing there. You know what that blessing, blessing is? Life. Life evermore. Claim that blessing because God is here tonight. Amen. One of the things that I love about our unity is that we are a church that is united in our diversity. We're a church that, that embraces the fact that we get, to, we get to worship God together in different languages. And we get to worship God together with people who come from different cultures. And we get to worship God together with various expressions. It's one of the, my favorite things about this church. And I hope that it's something that is impactful to you. So I want to give you a quick lesson. So that you are unhindered in your worship of Jesus when we come together. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a line of a song in Zulu. Is that okay? Is that okay? And I was like, just read the thing, bro. Just read the Bible. Just what are you doing? Say this with me. Profound, profound. You, you haven't, I don't know if you've heard this, but say Jehovah. Now, Jehovah means, you guys know what Jehovah means. Say Jehovah, Telumoya. Telumoya. That means pour out your spirit. It means Jehovah, pour out your spirit. Jehovah, Telumoya. Now, the hard part. Say, Umoya. Oinwele. Now, not Oinwele. That's hair. Oinwele is holy, spirit that is holy. We used to sing this song back in the day, and I, I, mean, I, I, I still sing it to myself, and it encourages my spirit. And really, it's a, it's a declaration and a heart's cry for God to pour out his spirit, his Holy Spirit, on our lives. And as we're thinking about our country, as we're thinking about our uh, uh, personal situations, as we're thinking about those areas that, um, that we're asking God for healing, I want to empower you and I want to equip you with this, that um, this, is not, this, is, this is not exactly like uh, 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 singing, singing in tongues, but it is kind of singing in a tongue, that, that, that every, every so often you just let your heart cry out to the Lord. Jehovah Telumoya, Telumoya, Jehovah Telumoya, Jehovah Telumoya, Oh, 
And so what do we do when we find ourselves in situations when we don't know what to do? What do we do when, when it seems hopeless, when we have no words, when it really does feel like the hope has left the room? We allow our souls to cry out and declare the truth of God that he is a God who pours out his spirit over our lives. And so next time, when you're feeling hopeless, what is, the, what is going to be your heart's cry? What is going to be your heart's cry? Jehovah Telumoya. Don't be scared. Jehovah Telumoya. Jehovah Telumoya. Because if the Holy Spirit pours out His Spirit into our lives, all things become possible. What was hopeless before becomes a possibility. What we couldn't see, what we couldn't reach before becomes attainable. Because as long as we have hope, we have life. But if the enemy can manage to sap the hope out of the room, then what he has done is he has sapped the life out of the room. Is that true? I've seen it to be true in, in my own life. I've seen it to be true in the lives of many. And so this is, we're going to go into, into the scriptures, but I really felt it heavy on my heart that, man, we need to, to just fight for our hope. We need to fight for our hope because our, our hope is our lifeline. And the enemy would love nothing more than to sap the hope out of our lives and out of the room. So as, as we are in the word and as we're, as, as, as we're engaging tonight, it may happen that the lights go out and that'll be because of load shedding. But don't worry, we have a plan. Don't respond from a place of hopelessness. Amen. Don't allow that to be a, 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 a thing that the enemy uses to sap the hope out of the room because we respond with hope, we respond with faith, and we declare with our hearts, Lord, pour out your spirit. Because when we have your spirit, we have all things. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Are we going to Galatians? Chapter 4. All right. We're talking today about sons and slaves. I hope you've been tracking with our Galatians series. And if you haven't yet, please make sure, just because it's going to bless you, to take some time and track through Galatians. 
In fact, if you go through this week and you're just reading through Galatians, it's going to be amazing. It's not a long read, um, and it's just going to allow you to, one, meditate on the Word of God, but also track with a, a, big, a better perspective of the series um, that, um, that, that, that we're on. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that. So Galatians 4, we spoke last week, and uh, Pastor Roger ministered to us last week about just the, 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 the grace, the power and the grace in God's Word. Um, that, that we are not people who are called to live tick box lives. Like, if I do these things, I attain to the cross. Nor are we people on the other end who are going, well, I don't have to do anything because it's all done by Jesus on the cross. Yes, but we still have to bring out our part. Yes, but God still wants us to develop. Yes, God still wants us to grow. And, and, and also just that recognition of we, we are not, uh, our comparison is actually, is Jesus, right? Our comparison is not the person to my left or the person to my right. And it's a scary thought when we think about being, co- being compared to Jesus, but this is the power of grace, that because of the grace of God, he enables us in Jesus to attain that standard. How? By our association with Jesus. So he has hit the mark, he has hit the standard, and we get to be in him, to hide in him, and because we hide in him, we attain to the standard that he has attained to, and we receive what he receives. And we are in the oneness that he has with the Father. Does that make sense? And so as, as, we, as we're cultivating some of our thinking along, along this line and, and, and reading uh, uh, the book of Galatians, we come across uh, chapter 4, which, which has a focus on sonship or the, this, this concept of sons and, and slaves. And um, in, in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 to 7, it says, Now I say to the heir, as long as he is a child, now I, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of, of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. Now, when when Paul is talking about sons here, it's all-encompassing, right? So we're referring to sons and daughters, daughters. It is children of God who are heirs to his promises. So the first thing that we see when we're reading from verse 1 is that sons are different to slaves. Sons are different to slaves. When Jesus was, was teaching uh, 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 the people and he used a parable, ma- many parables. One of the parables that he used was the parable of the, of the wheat and the tares. And he speaks about, this is Matthew 13, he speaks about how a, 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 
the, the master went out and, 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 and uh, sowed seed in his field. And having sowed seed in his field, all the laborers and all those who were part of the work then went to bed. And during the night time, uh, uh, somebody came and sowed bad seed amongst the good seed. And over time, the crop began to, began to grow and the, and the laborers realized that something was wrong, that there were weeds amongst the wheat. And, and so they run to the, to the master and they say, Master, did you not sow good seed in the field? Why then is it that there are weeds among the wheat, the wheat and the tares? And the master says, an enemy has done this. There has been some sabotage. And so their response is, Master, do you want us to go into the field and pluck out the weeds? And the master says, no, lest you pluck out the wheat along with the tares. But wait for them to grow. And at the time of harvest, it will be clear which you should harvest. And so what we learn by this parable is that if the, if the kingdom of God is like this, what that means is that at the time of harvest, it is very clear who is of God and who is not of God. And yet we see there was a time when the master said, it's going to be very difficult to tell. So do not pick them right now. What does that tell us? It tells us that those who behold us can tell our difference from the world by our fruits. What we bear is the evidence of who we are. That's what that parable is telling us. It is also telling us that if, if we are at a stage when it is difficult to tell between the wheat and the tares, when it is difficult to tell a person of the kingdom from the person who is not of the kingdom, then that person is immature and not yet ready to bring in a harvest for the master. Now, maturity is a process. Maturity takes time. So I have a, a two-year-old daughter one of her favorite things to say is mine, mine, mine. And her, and her siblings try and play with it, mine. And if you give, her, if you give anybody anything in the mine, that's one of her favorite things to say. I also have a six-year-old daughter. Now, if, if, if her language, if my six-year-old language is the same as my two-year-old, we've got a problem. I'm okay with my two-year-old, mine, 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 because we still, we, we're giving her vocabulary, we're helping her to learn how to share, and it's, it's fine, it's fine, she's two years old, it's okay. It's not okay for my six-year-old to be, mine, mine, mine. And if they, as they develop, and if she's 12 and 16 and 21, if that's still her language, then we have a problem.
The problem is that there is a certain level of responsibility that I want to entrust my children with. And at some point, I want to be able to give my children full rights. But as long as my daughter is two years old, she does not get full rights. Neither does she get full responsibility. And if she continues to act like a two-year-old, even when she's six or 10 or 16 or 21, she will not get full rights. Why? Because she's acting like a child. I can't trust her with that which I have labored for and that which I have built up and that which I have prepared for them. And so we need to embrace this idea of maturity. I, I used to uh, have this idea before, before, I, I was, I was, uh, before I was born again. Um, I, I, had, I had an idea kind of of what, what Christianity is and we, we had, you know, we kind of like those people over there and we didn't mix with them because they're weird. We call them, you know, my, my born again. Those are my born again, those people. Um, and they're a little bit weird, and, and, um, and, and they try and kind of engage us. And my understanding of the gospel was very much that it was a restrictive thing that you entered into and you forfeit your life. And so my, my uh, uh, pledge was, uh, fundamentally, I don't have a problem. I get it. Heaven, heaven, it's important. I get it. And I want to go to heaven, so here's what I'm going to do. When I am older... In fact, when I am old and tired and I'm done having a good time with my life, I'll be there. Because then it won't feel like too much of a sacrifice and I won't feel like I'm missing out and I'm too tired to do what I used to do anyway. Then, then it's for old people. I'll, I'll, I'll be in. In fact, I, I took it one step further and I said this. If I can time it just right... Maybe I can get born again just before I die. So I can live my life, live my life, it's going to be awesome. Just before I die, I get born again. And the idea was, as long as I can get in, I'll just make it. Here the, the gates of heaven are shutting and I make it just, and they shut, and I'm just here. And, and if, that ha- I, if that happens, I am good, because I'm in, right? That's the point. I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the house. As long, because uh, what I came to understand was the alternative was to burn in hell. So, okay, I don't want to burn in hell, but I don't want, I like my life and I like to, to groove and all of that. It's, it's nice. So if I can time it well, I can do everything here and then just, just escape hell. And that was my understanding of, in fact, that was my plan. This is, this is um, what, what, what I'm going to do. Thank God that he intervened. Amen. <laughs> And smack the stupid out of me. <laughs> Sometimes he's still smacking the stupid out of me. It was, it was a very immature perspective of being in the kingdom. Here, here's the problem. Sometimes we, 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 still, we still carry this perspective today. And so we, we, are, we are still happy with the idea of just, just making it in. I'm just, just here. The gates closed. Woo, I'm in. That is all that I'm asking for. How sad that we should live lives that are settling on just being in. Never knowing what the Father has for us. Never knowing who we are called to be. Never knowing the riches that, 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 that God has prepared for us. 
okay to be two years old and receive the rights and privileges of a two-year-old and that's all I want. But praise God that he is invested in our maturity. In fact, he's more invested in our maturity than he is in our comfort. I, I, love, um, I love this old thing that we used to say back in the day. We're like, on the throne of God, there's two buttons. There's the character button and the comfort button. And the comfort button's broken. Yeah. <laughs> God is invested in our... We are invested in our comfort. Sometimes more than we're invested in, 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 in character and, and growth in the kingdom. And so we're praying these prayers about blessing and Lord, me. Bless me. Provide for me. Give me a promotion. Lord, let him see me. Let her see me. And God, oh, and here's what we do, right? We, we, we decide that this, when you do this thing for me, it'll show me, Lord, that you love me. God is going, I do love you, and I'm going to show you I love you. Here's the button. <laughs> and it's all the character stuff, and it's all the growing stuff. And we, and we interpret that as judgment. I'm being stretched. I'm growing. I'm facing difficult challenges. God must not be happy with me. Because if God loved me, that's what it would look like. And so one of the... I used to use a strong word because I, I genuinely felt this way at a stage, that I, I would hate the fact that I couldn't manipulate God. Because I'd be going, Lord, if you loved me, you would be doing that for me. You'd be treating me like this. You'd be answering these prayers. Look what you're doing for that person. If you loved me, then my life would look like that. God go, yeah, yeah, I see that. I do love you. <laughs> Comfort button. <laughs> Comfort button's broken. And he'd be stretching me and building me and growing me. And when I come to understand that that is actually the love of God in action, because then I'm going, so why is God so invested in developing my character and developing my maturity? It is because as long as I am a child, an immature child, I, he cannot deposit his, the, the, the wealth of his kingdom into me. I, I am not yet an heir who is ready to receive the inheritance. In order to receive the inheritance, God has to grow me and move me from being a slave to being a child to being an heir, somebody who's ready to receive and steward well the inheritance. So we're going, God, love me, love me. He says, I do, and I want to bless you. God, bless you, bless me, bless me. The blessings are over here, but I have to take you from over here to over here so you can receive the blessings. And so what do we do sometimes? We say, it's so tough, and, I've, and God, you've abandoned me, and I feel this way. You don't love me. I'm turning back, and I'm going over here, going back to my old ways. God is going, oh, I mean, if you really want to, but there's like amazing things for you over here.
I have an inheritance. It's eternal. It doesn't rust. It, it cannot be taken away from you. It's eternal. If you will just believe in me and stick with me through the process. Because God is not going to be manipulated, right, to, to take the inheritance and to give it to you over here. The inheritance doesn't belong to the slave. Neither can the inheritance be entrusted to the immature child. And so we, we, we relate to God when we are sons from a place of relationship as opposed to protocol. If I want to come over to your house for a Sunday lunch, what I'm likely going to do is I'm going to take, pick up the phone, message you, give you a call, and we'll make arrangements. Hey, can I come over? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because we're Joe Burgers, right? You're going to t- open your calendar and give me a date a month from now. Um, you, you can pop by a month from now, you know, for 20 minutes. And um, the, t- the countdown timer starts when you walk in through the gate. <laughs> then you have to leave after that. <laughs> and so if I want to access your time and I want your attentions, and I want to engage with you, I have to go via your calendar. I have to go via certain levels of protocol. But if my child wants to come and talk to me, none of my children go through my calendar. They barge in. Here we are. Engage us. You know? Um, And so when you are a child or a son and daughter of God, you move from relating to God using systems and protocols and rules and regulation to relating with him through relationship. And relationship isn't all the things that I have to do before I can access you. Relationship is I I have access to you. At, at, At all times, I have access to you. I know you and you know me and we interact. That's what relationship is. Because if if you and I don't have relationship and you walk into my house, that situation ends up at the police station. Right? (laughs) That that, that doesn't end up... But but if, if, if I have good relationship with you and you end up in my house unannounced, that's okay. That's normal. No, says the Joe Burger. <laughs> Protocol versus relationship. Here's, here's something else about sons and slaves. Um, the, 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 the son or daughter who does not know that she is in line to inherit the goods behaves differently to the person who knows that they are going to inherit. Right? So if, if, um, if there is some like I don't know, like, like family china that you've been eyeing. Maybe your grand's got like this, uh, this amazing old china that's, that's worth a whole bunch of money or just looks good. And you've been looking at that and thinking, wow, um, one of these days I'm going to inherit. I'm going to inherit that. Love you, grand, but when the Lord calls you home, <laughs> can I? <laughs> my my great, great-grandfather, um, uh, fought in, in one of the world wars, and so he, he had this this old uh, rifle that I that, that I ad- admired, um, 
and, 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 and desired with my whole heart. And, and, and my granddad had inherited it. And my whole, I would, in fact, I would say to him, love you, granddad. When you go, <laughs> can I have? <laughs> but when, when you have, and, and, or, or maybe, maybe uh, your dad has this, this, this beautiful car that you love and you just know that this is the car, it's a classic car, you're going to inherit this car. Maybe when I come of age, my dad's going to bless me with this. What do you do? You treat it a little bit differently, right? So, we don't, no, 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 we don't eat in this car. And, and on Saturdays, I wake up in the morning and I wash the car and I make sure it's all waxed and it doesn't get dust on it and, and, it, and everything works well. And when guests come over, we don't use that china because that china, we don't need any cracks in it because when it comes to me, it must be in perfect working condition. The fact that we are in line for inheritance changes our behavior. But if we don't know that we are that we are in line for inheritance, we act recklessly. And so we tend to behave then like a slave or like an immature child. And Jesus says that all things that the Father has given to him, he shares with us. And that is our inheritance. All things that are his are ours. And that changes our posture, and that changes our faith, and that changes our response even to bad situations because we recognize that, man, I am a son and a daughter of this house. So regardless, come what may, my response is not to walk away. My response is not to sulk and to, and to withdraw and to throw a tantrum. And so when, when I I've experienced disappointment or something is happening that I don't quite understand. I don't act like a two-year-old, which is to pout and to sulk and to, and to uh, cry and to uh, uh, draw all the attention to me and make it about myself. I respond as a son or a daughter who's ready to come into inheritance. Mom, Dad, I don't understand. This happened... And it kind of the way, here's how it affected me. Here's how I'm feeling about it. I would love for us to engage on it because maybe I missed something here. As opposed to, you don't love me. This is judgment. God is not good. I'm walking away. That is the language and behavior of a slave. And even so, verse 3, when we were children... Even so, we, when, we're, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. We're in bondage under the elements of the world. We were subject to the ways of the world. When? When we were children. And so the question before us this evening is whether we are immature children or heirs. And a simple test of whether we are immature children or not, is to ask yourself the question, do I behave like an immature child? If I behave like an immature child, then I'm an immature child. Do I... What is the language of my prayers? What is the vocabulary in my prayers? Is it the me, 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 me? Or is it what matters to your heart, God? Give me your heart, your values. Help me to see your people. Help me to see your agenda. 
Have we transitioned from building a kingdom of comfort to, to, to buying into the kingdom of God? How do we respond to disappointment? How do we respond to, to good and to bad things? So, when ba- often we talk about bad things, but let's talk about good things. What happens when, when good, when, during the good times? The good times. I, I can't tell you how many times I, I, have, I have engaged um, with people who have come to me, Pastor, please uh, uh, pray for me because I've been far from God. Okay, what's happening? Man, I, uh, I, 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 just, I, need, I know I need to fix my relationship with Jesus. Okay, and uh, um, I've, I, I really need his provision uh, because either of you know I'm, I'm in line for promotion, I've got this tender that I've put out there, there's this business deal that I'm working on, it's been really difficult and I really need uh, to come out on the, on the other end and I'm going... That's awesome. Let's pray. Let's walk together. Let's trust God. And walking together, faithful to Sunday services, faithful to connect group, uh, all of these things. And then God brings the windfall, boom, the blessing. Can't tell you how many times it's taken weeks for that person to disappear after the blessing has come. Which tells me that this person was not in it for relationship, was not the son trying to connect him with the father. It was a slave who was, get, who was trying to get his dues in the master's house. If I behave this way, if I do these things, if I do, observe the deliverables, if I understand well the KPIs and I deliver well, there's a bonus in it for me. And once I get that, thank you, bye. That is the, the behavior and the language of a slave. So God sent, God sent his son. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. I was reading this, and one of the first things that pop out for me is the question, well, God, why did you send Jesus? If, if this mission to redeem the world and to bring us into relationship with you was so important. Why send Jesus? Why didn't you come yourself? Sounds like an audacious question to ask, right? But, but I, I, this, is how, this is how I read the Bible. I ask silly questions and some audacious questions. Why? Why, did, why? why not you? And like we know it from a theological perspective, like that Jesus was the perfect embodiment and the manifestation of of God. In fact, in fact, he's described in the scriptures, I love this, as the radiance of God. Um, and so we're not arguing that. Um, but, but I'm going, but why, why send him, why send Jesus and not you as God the Father coming? Why is it God the Son who came? And then I began to realize, okay, we were not being saved from slavery into fatherhood. God was saving us from slavery into sonship. And it is the son who can save us from slavery into sonship. It is the son who can demonstrate sonship. And so Jesus, by living on earth and interacting with the Father, was showing us how we ought not to be and how we ought to be. Because we, we didn't have a roadmap. We didn't have an understanding of sonship. Everything that we had until Jesus came was protocol. And so we had protocols. We had regulations. 
We knew which stamp, we knew which form, we knew which office. And if I stamp this one and I have the blue form and the pink form inside and you sign over here and I get this stamp, I, I can, we can get a, a way forward. And so we knew how to do protocol well. That was a, a home affairs joke. That was, <laughs> guys, I haven't been to home affairs, clearly. I haven't been to home affairs. Oh, was that trauma? Was that, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Okay, that, that's what. <laughs> we, we knew protocols well. What we didn't know was relationship. And so Jesus came and he said, everything that you've been doing up until now, every system, every regulation, every rule, every protocol has not worked, has not brought you to the, to, the, to the oneness, has not brought you to the kind of proximity with the Father that I can bring you. Through relationship. And so the Son is sent by the Father. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the other question that I was asking. Lord, why is it then that you were born, you're a baby, uh, under the law, you're uh, reared by the, by the physical laws of this world, you, you are subject to these laws, and the, and the, 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 the spiritual laws, uh, the laws of Moses, all of these things that you observed, why didn't you descend like a hero from heaven with the trumpets and everything? Ooh, come down and, le- and then like show us you are above the law and, and, and actually you don't even like, don't bother with the law. Why didn't you do that? Why like the long way around? And, and this was my realization that Jesus respected the law by being born under the law. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so Jesus is born into the law. Why? So that he can show us that the answer to the problem that we've been trying to solve is not the law. Second to that, he can show us that the, the, the problem or, or the law is not the enemy. The answer is not the law, neither is the law the enemy. And thirdly, that we are, we are using the wrong tools for the, to, find, to find the solution. And so, here, here's, here's what we mean, that the answer was not the law. If it was possible for the law to be fulfilled 100%, right? You could observe the law, you were righteous under the law perfectly all your life. Now, we know that this is not possible. Because as we learned last week, and it's, you can find it in the book of James, that if you l- observe the whole of the law, except for one bit of law, you've broken all of the laws. Forever. No do-overs. So it's not possible. It's not possible to live a life where you don't break at least one of, of the laws. But let's say it was. Let's, let's, let's hypothesize. Let's say it was um, possible. We'd figured it out, right? Um, and, uh, and, or at least somebody had figured it out and they'd gone and, and done a thing and, they, and they, they have now lived their whole lives without breaking the law and they die and they go to heaven and then they arrive in heaven and they show the Lord, God, as you can see, I have passed the test and not broken any law. Please, where are your auditors to come and assess? This is, this is, my, this is what happens in my head. <laughs> This is why reading the Bible is fun for me. It's a movie. <laughs> Lord, look, 
Look at all I have achieved. And then, and then I, I, I straight up like see the Lord going, um, Jesus, who, who's this guy? Who, who are you? Lord, it is me, the great achiever, the one who has not broken any laws. But, but who are you? <laughs> like, because the issue was never about perfect observance of the law. The issue was about fixing relationship. And, and, and if we go back to, 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 uh, uh, to the garden, right? What went wrong in the garden was we fought for our emancipation and we won that fight, right? We, God made a family and put this family in, in the garden and God was the head of this family. He was the father of this family. And so he was the authority and we had an issue with that. And so we broke out of this family and we wanted to form our own family and stand alone and be called by our own name. Why? So that we could decide for ourselves what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. And, and, and the consequences of that were that we now were no longer children in the family who were in line for the inheritance. We could no longer inherit because we opted to be not part of this family. And so we wanted to be emancipated. So what was Jesus doing? What was the, this whole point? The whole point of it is for Jesus to make a way for us to be restored back into the family. And so once we're restored back into the family, he moves us out of slavery and bondage to the world into we become children. So we're born again and we're these infants in the, in the kingdom. But we grow and we develop and he, 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 he brings us to a place where we're mature and we are heirs. And we receive everything that God had intended for us to receive in the first place. And so when we go with our, with our thing about all the things that we've achieved, we're, we're presenting a contract that a slave would, would present to the, to, 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 to the master. Master, look at all the things that I have done. I have achieved all the KPIs and more. Now I am in line for inheritance. And the master's going, no, no, you were never in line for inheritance. I'm sorry, did no one tell you that? You, you were... But, but I did all the things. Well done. But the inheritance is for my children. Okay. Ah. And so, the, so the, 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 the rights to the inheritance are not predicated on the contract and the things that we have done. But this is not a place for us to hide, right? Because being children and being heirs comes with responsibility. And so the, the actions and the works and the things, all those things that the slave was presenting to the master, the heir is, has also done. Now, not perfectly, but the heir has also done. But the heir didn't do those things so that they could present the thing to the master. The heir did those things because they were in relationship with the master. And it was an outworking of who they were. And it was an embracing of the master's values. And so the heir is proven to be different from the slave. And because of his positioning and because of her identity and because of who they are in the family, they receive what is of the father. And the slave who did everything as hard as they could and was sweating bullets to make sure that everything is done is not party to the inheritance. Because... They never crossed the threshold of, 
I was a slave because I emancipated myself from this family. Okay, the way back in is not by earning all the things. The way back in is by reconnecting with my birthright, my position as a son or a daughter in the house. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are no longer slaves, but heirs. And so we move from from this, this formalized regulatory relationship with the father to a family relationship, per family, personal relationship. So we move from Mr. God, sir, your honorable Yahweh, to dad, right? The slave is going, your, your honorable Yahweh, most high God, sir, sire, the son is going, dad, because this one is, a, is, is, is titles and, and, and regulation and protocol. This one is relationship. Is that important? Of course it is. The honor, the reverence, the recognition of who God is, of course it's important. But we know that we have access beyond formality. We have access beyond, look, look, look at how magnificent you are. We can go and we can sit with the Father and go, Dad, you really are magnificent. Look at, look at all you've done. And I get to be part of that. Thank you so much for inviting me into this space. And so this, the, 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 the Spirit of God moves us into sonship. And notice that it is not the other way around. It is not that, that we receive the Spirit of God and then we become sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters and God deposits the spirit of sonship in us that animates us, our, 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 our sonship. And that's like, kind of like if, um, if, we, uh, uh, if we think about the, the garden, the, God, uh, the garden of Eden, and God made the man, and, uh, and it was beautiful, formed him out of the dust of the earth. Uh, but he was just, he was lifeless until the spirit of God was breathed into him. And then he became animated and could interact and knew how to be. So, with us, as we embrace what Jesus has done on the cross, we become sons and daughters. The Spirit of God is poured into us, and we are animated in this relationship. We know how to be and who we are. How do we know? The Spirit of God in us cries out. Not only is He the God of the universe, but He's also your dad. You can cry out to Him. Dad, Papa, And so we move from formality into relationship. Let's stand to our feet, please. Now, I, I am... The, the reason that it took me so long to come into relationship with Jesus was because I my understanding was that I had to leave my freedom, what I thought was my freedom, and the expressions of my freedom, and come into a rules-based restrictive thing. 
And I wasn't ready for that and I wasn't willing to make that decision. But when I came to understand that it is actually not that, the invitation that the gospel makes is an invitation into being restored into your position, your rightful place with the Father so that you can be the mature heir who receives the inheritance. I was going, okay, hang on. I understand that. I think I can, I think I can get with that. Being restored and being, being, being groomed and being grown into maturity and being treated like a son and a daughter and being positioned to receive the blessings and the inheritance that my father has for me. That sounds like something I can relate to. And I responded to that. Now, I want to, I want to land today by, by praying for you if you find yourself in that place where I was. Whether, whether you, 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 you have never prayed at this prayer of, of Lord Jesus, I want that, I want to be in relationship with you, or you have prayed it, but really, uh, the relationship is non-existent. You might even feel like I'm, I'm probably more a slave or an immature child than a, an heir. Um, regardless of where you are in that spectrum, I want to pray with you. And so I'm going to pray, but what I'm going to ask you to do is just indicate to me that that is the prayer that, that, that you want to receive. And so I'm praying specifically over you by raising your hand. When you raise your hand, you're letting me know, yes, I identify with that. Yes, I want that prayer. Yes, I want to come into that restoration. Would you go ahead and raise your hand and let me know that you're the one I am praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask uh, uh, you to, to really just to own the moment. And so if you're raising your hand, just raise, raise the hand. And there's no, con- there's, there's no shame here. There's no shame here. We're not, we're not ashamed of what we're doing in this moment. We're not ashamed of Jesus. And so if you are restoring relationship with Jesus, that's a beautiful thing. No one is here to judge you. Father, thank you for these beautiful people whose hands are raised. I pray, Father, that even as they have raised their hands to acknowledge you, that you would meet them. Deposit your kingdom inside of them. Deposit eternity in them. Lord, that you would would pull out of them anything that has been a distraction, anything that has been an offense that has come between them having relationship with you. Father, that, 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 that you would welcome them into your arms. I'm praying that they would know that the sweetness of fellowship with you, that they would know that, that, that the, the sonship that, that you have extended to them and that they would come into inheritance and relationship with you. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their courage and the boldness that they have shown today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. I'm going to ask for one more step, which is, it's not a trick. This is what we do every single Sunday, every single time. Uh, We ask if you have raised your hand, if you'll please grab your stuff and come meet me here at the front. And I'll tell you why why we do this. It's it's two primary reasons. The first one is that we want to have further conversation with you to help you to establish yourself in the faith. The second one is because we, we want to help you and facilitate a public declaration of your commitment to Jesus. Why? The scripture teaches those who acknowledge Jesus before many, Jesus acknowledges before the Father. And those who deny, who deny Jesus before the many, 
Jesus denies those people before the Father. And so this is the moment where we're saying we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives. And so can I ask you, if you raised your hand and received that prayer, would you come to the front? Would you come to the front right now? And this is a public declaration moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can we honor Jesus better than that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The scriptures promise that when you, when you acknowledge Jesus before me, you know what he's doing? He's going, that one is mine. He's mine. She's mine. He's mine. He's mine. I recognize them. You receive blessing before the Father because they were not ashamed of me. And so what I want to do quickly is to, is to pray a prayer of, of repentance. And this prayer of repentance is just, it's like re- repairing any relationship, a friendship, anything, where we've done each other wrong. I say I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. That's the prayer we, we, we're going we're gonna to pray right now. So just say these words after me. We're going to do it together as a family. Um, just go ahead and say, Lord Jesus, I have wronged you. I was wrong. And you have always been right. Please forgive me for prioritizing other things that were not of the kingdom. But today, I choose my priorities well. You are first in my heart. I believe that you died for me on the cross and that you rose again. And because of that work, I am forgiven. I receive your forgiveness. May I never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord another round of applause. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.